Good morning. I'm not Pastor Steve. I heard somebody came here to hear him speak. Come next week. He'll be on next week. So we're taking a short intermission in uh, Thessalonians right now. Um, and he just asked me to share what's on my heart, in a sense. And so we're going to actually be in Luke chapter 17 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and if you don't have your Bibles, uh, the ushers and whoever's out there will get you one and just raise your hand. And you guys can take that Bible home and read that thing. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So Luke chapter 17, we're going to be in verse 11 through 19. And um, before I start, I just wanted, uh, oh, thanks. Um, everybody there? Cool. Um, what we had this week was actually a men's retreat up in Kokea. And so if you guys have, haven't noticed in the past... Okay. <laughs> huh? Yeah, and they're still there. Um, but there's a men's retreat going on, but what I came from was the men's retreat as it was being advertised um, up here on the screen. Um, it was a beautiful and it was a blessing of a time, not because of the retreat itself, uh, but really because of the people that came. Right? And so worship, this time of worship, wouldn't be a time of worship without the people. And what really uh, stirred me up in excitement was this, was to know that there were certain people that were coming that I rarely ever get to see. And we know this. Uh, it's kind of like my wife and I's relationship with our families. Uh, we all live in different places, and we hardly get to see each other. But when we actually do get to go see them, it's really exciting. Um, but what I'm trying to share with you today, this is like a different type of excitement. Like this is on a different level of excitement. And so to share something real quickly, these guys are the few people that came out of the ministry of Youth and for Christ. Youth and for Christ was hosting this retreat. And so there are people that were coming from the Big Island and people that came from Oahu, but mostly the people that were coming um, were actually people that came through the ministry. And if you know anything about doing ministry together, man, you would know. We went through a lot of battles together. We laughed together. We cried together. We worked together. We rested together. We spent 24-7 together. And the most incredible thing here is we got to follow Jesus together, to be with Jesus together. And at the end of it all, this is the beautiful thing, at the end of it all, we all get to witness the good news of Jesus Christ restore and transform hearts and minds. Like, I get to see marriages being restored even when husband and wife are miles apart from each other. Like, God is working on this person, and God is working on this person, bringing them back together. While seeing the chains of addiction being broken off of people who've been abusing drugs and alcohol for the most part of their lives. But this isn't what excited me the most. I mean, although it stirred me up as I remember these things, there is actually something more beautiful here, something more lasting. And I just want to share that real quickly with you this morning. See, there was this immeasurable joy and this type of gratitude as I got to think back on all that, we, uh, all that we'd gone through together. And I truly think this is what Paul felt in jail. I was kind of reading in Philippians, and uh, as he was writing this out, it started in Acts uh, with a lady named Lydia, a demon-possessed demon girl, and the jailer who was with Paul and Silas. See, Paul ends up ministering to all three of these people, and all of them get saved by the gospel. And so he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says this, 
I thank my God in remembrance of you. He says, in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, they were helping Paul continue in his ministry and they worked together, they co-labored with each other and they got to further the gospel together. But what stuck with me was this. Paul says in the verse, not just when I first met you, but even to this day. Like it was amazing to see these guys following Jesus in 2018 and I say this all the time but it's even more amazing to see these guys following Jesus in 2022. And if there is any type of fruit or result that is more exciting than restoration, miracles, and healings, it's this very thing. This is what excites me. And the hard reality is I know we've seen many people come through the church and then just kind of disappear. And we should be praying that they're plugged in somewhere else, but that's not always the case, is it? And this is the same in every ministry. I've seen so many brothers come through U-Turn for Christ just to make another U-Turn. I don't even know where 90% of these people are anymore. And if I do know where they are, they're not in a good spot. And over the years, I realized what causes this type of response of people. I was thinking to myself, what causes this type of response? And I know there's many different answers, and then over the years, I've come to realize many issues of my heart, but one thing, uh, but one of them is this. I am more concerned about what I can get from Jesus rather than Jesus himself. To emphasize more on the gifts than the giver. See, you and I would not have anything we have today if it wasn't for the giver. And what happens is this self-centered type of gospel does not drive or motivate any of us to follow after Christ, but really rather just call on him when we really need something. And so this isn't some new problem we're dealing with. Everything that you and I see happening today is the very same things that were happening back then. And so as we read through the text this morning, I want us to look at a few things. First thing is this. I love the way Luke writes this out. This wasn't a story that Jesus was telling or it was just one of his sermons. It wasn't a parable either where we need to kind of have to look into it and dissect the meaning. No, this was just Jesus walking towards Jerusalem. He was just on his way. This is called a historical narrative. Jacobelian would call this just the day in the life of Jesus Christ. And so let's see what's going on in his day. We're going to start in verse 11. It says this, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he, as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so we need some context here. So this is about Jesus' third year in ministry. And so lots of good news kind of has been circulating around him. So with all the healings and miracles going on, it would be extremely difficult to keep something like this on the low. Right? In fact, Jesus' ministry blew up as soon as he stepped on the scene, and so very quickly people knew uh, about Jesus but did not know him. They just knew the things that he can do. They knew about the things that he can do. And this is why people came to him. Like, you know how much sick people he healed? Giving sight to the blind, telling paralyzed people to get up. I mean, Jesus is literally raising people from the dead, physically. And so, yeah, it's kind of a big thing going on. And so if you know anything about leprosy, 
today, it's called Hansen's disease. So thank God for medical science because this disease can be cured today, but it was really different back then. See, by the time you knew you had it, it was too late. You see, this, this is a slow-growing bacteria that not only gave you sores and lesions, but this would also affect the nerves in your body. It starts in your hands and your feet, and it affects your eyes, and, you pe and people end up going blind. On top of all the infections and all the sores, your entire body was basically rotting from the inside out. You were a dead man, dead woman walking. And due to the law, there are specific ways to handle these types of circumstances, but because, I mean, of time, I just want to mention that if you had leprosy, you had to be isolated and quarantined, right? Not just like some positive, uh, what we know as the COVID test, stay home for two weeks type of thing. It's not like that. No, this is if you had family, you were removed from them. You were then placed in a community with people who have the same issue because they were highly contagious. And the chances of seeing anyone would just only be at a distance. And then eventually and slowly, they were just left to die together. And so with no cure, these are the conditions that life brought upon them. They knew that there was no other way because they probably tried everything. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, I would try everything. And so if you, you and I can just see ourselves in their position, what would you do and how would you cry out? If you knew that Jesus was the only person that could fix this problem of ours, I'm pretty sure it would look like verse 13. And what we're about to see is how Jesus responds to this and how this event is about to play out. So let's read that. Verse 14 says this. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as, the, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to give, uh, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. And so it was the priest back in the day that had the responsibility for these people to examine and to confirm whether the leprosy on a person's body had been healed or not. Jesus is just following the law. They either declared them clean or unclean. And so you can imagine, as they were making their way towards the priest, suddenly they can start feeling their hands and their feet again. I mean, this is how I pictured it. The sores and lesions on their body suddenly being healed, and those of them who are on the brink of losing their eyesight, eventually the road became more and more clear, more and more vibrant as their eyes were now being restored. And yet you would think if, this, if any of this stuff started happening to us, man, we would just be starting up a church already. I mean, we're witnessing a firsthand miracle in our own lives. But that's not the case, is it? I mean, not in this passage. And something that I was meditating about in this text was this. Jesus knew 10 out of 10 would be completely healed of their condition. He knew that. He's God. He knew that they had the freedom to go and make up for the years that they've lost because of this thing. But what he, but what he also knew was their hearts. See, he not only knew the desperation and the hopelessness they had, but what he knew all along was that they wouldn't return. He knows that. He knew only one of them would come back, and Luke had to mention in this that, that he was a foreigner, a Samaritan, despised by the Jews. And it was the Jewish people that claimed that they were God's people, and yet not even one of them came back to God himself to give him any praise or thanks. 
See, in this passage, you don't get to see the Samaritan go back to Jesus and say thank you and just go on his way. That's not what we've seen, right? No, the Samaritan came back to Jesus, and what did he do? It says that he fell on his face. See, his body language communicated more than just a simple thank you. See, you want to know what the book of Revelation is about? Pastor Steve is in end times with Thessalonians, but the book of Revelation is not just about end times. Like, you want to know what the primary purpose of this letter was? It's found in the first half of the beginning sentence on the first page, and it says it's the revealing of Jesus Christ. See, this passage shows us that he did not just recognize the healing, but he recognized his healer. And I want to ask, is this our posture today? Just something I was meditating on. Truly in our hearts, do we give God the recognition and praise for all that we have? And in your personal walks with the Lord today, who is Jesus to you? And the real question I had to ask myself was this, as a pastor, am I spending time with the Lord aside from what I need to get done? Really, because Pastor Steve and I came from uh, um, a Honolulu, what was it, a pastor's meeting? Prayer meeting? And somebody spoke a devotional on devotionals. And that's what I had to ask myself. Man, am I spending time with the Lord aside from what I need to get done? Like one of those things were prepping messages. Am I in the word of God only because there's a sermon that needs to be prepped? Or am I in the word of God to just spend time with him? And like that was very, very convicting for me, and I know me, because I know where I came from, and I know where the Lord has taken me, and it looks like I'm crying out to him because I need him, but I need him to get my job done, my job, and to remember that there was a time where I couldn't even understand a proverb, let alone talk in front of a few people, and truly I see myself as one of these nine lepers. I cry out, I get what I need, and I continue walking. Even as a pastor sometimes. And I think so often this can be the pace in our lives today with everything that's going on and what we have to do. Do we have that time to stop and pause, to sit with Jesus and to just sit with Jesus? Because it's at these times where he doesn't just meet our needs, but he truly is revealing to us that he's the God of our lives. And as I got to come back from Kokea, I realized how much, man, I've been neglecting that time with just sitting with Jesus and no agendas, not asking for anything. To stop for a few days of asking out what I want and what I need done, and for some reason his best works are in these moments. See, I got to see grown men. If you ever want to see grown men anywhere from 30 to 60 ball their eyes out, you guys got to come to a retreat like this. <laughs> it's an amazing thing to witness, right? Because the word of God now being able to minister into their lives without any distractions. It's a beautiful thing to see. To be able to see the unity between every believer coming from every different church. It was not just Calvary Chapel Hui or Calvary Chapel North Shore. And the most important thing we get to see in these times of being with the Lord is him revealing himself to all men on that mountain in a very powerful way. 
I know you know. I know you know. There was a lot of amazing moments that took place on this retreat. But the most amazing moment is when men started to realize that our priorities were out of place. And it was amazing to see and for us to understand that there is nothing more important that we could ever receive or have than Jesus himself. And we just sang it, right? Nothing else would do. I just want you. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you and we praise you. And I just ask right now, I confess and I repent, Lord God, of running this pace and doing the things that I do only to, only to fit my agendas and my needs and what I need to get done, Lord. I pray at this time as you speak to us during the week, Father, that, I ch- uh, that to just challenge us to get um, into the word, um, but to just spend that time with you, to sit with you and not ask for anything, Lord God. To not ask what I need from you, but more so what you need from me. I pray that we would prioritize our relationship with you more than anything that we need in this life. And we just continue to pray for the people there on that mountain, Lord God, that you would continue to speak to the men as you're building up godly men and godly husbands. And that they would continue to receive all that they can there, Father. And for us here this morning, Lord God, I pray for anybody here that uh, maybe has fallen away or just comes to Sundays once in a while to do this thing. Maybe it just becomes a cultural thing, Lord God, but I pray that that this would become the most important, that you would become the most important thing in their lives. I pray that you would reveal yourself to every single person here in a very powerful and mighty way. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.